Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And guess what? We still got some summer days here. We thought winter, we thought fall would be catching up with us with rain. I'm, yeah, I'm your host, Reverend Walden, uh, and I've been on the air for a while. I'd love being on the air. Uh, and uh, we're waiting for Mr. Uh, Rye to uh, to come on. But uh, in the meantime, I just want to thank uh, everyone, all, all our supporters for Mother's Hoods for keeping us on the air. Also, our latest uh, supporter uh, is the uh, Virtues Healing Circles uh, that uh, that I'm one of the facilitators of uh, around the city of Seattle. I'm really grateful for that. And so I'm uh, waiting on Mr. Rye. I'll just go right ahead and just talk a little bit about uh, what's going on for us. On October uh, the 26th, Mothers is having is hosting another community meeting here at the Liberty Bank Building uh, community room, uh, uh, and uh, we're inviting the community. We'll get some more information out. Market calendars for uh, November 6th. I mean, November 10th is our Mothers Justice Breakfast. Our third with Marshall Mothers Justice Breakfast, and we will be uh, having an award for our Attorney of the Year and a few other people. So. Market calendars. You'll have more info. Uh, more information is will be coming real soon about that. Uh, I'm, all, I'm just really all excited. We're beginning our 33, 33 years now. Who would have believed that mothers started out as Mothers Against Police Harassment in 1990, changed our name in 1996? That at this point in our life, we would still be actually having all volunteer organization. We one of the few that's left almost in America now. Everybody else has, you know, they have executive directors and, and uh, people get paid and that's okay. And uh, we started out as volunteers uh, uh, and uh, we're still volunteering uh, as, uh, as we move forward into the, into the next year. And looking, we, we also had a strategic plan, uh, have a strategic plan that we're working on to build more capacity. As you know, I spent a lot of years downtown uh, as the uh, one of the co one of the uh, one of the members of the of the Seattle Community Police Commission. Been down there for a while. Uh, that that uh, started in 2013, so that takes up a lot of time. Also, really grateful for volunteers and the people who came to the meeting the other night. I want to give a shout out to Chikani Salisbury. He really does give up give us a lot of help. Uh, also, Patricia Valentine and uh, Sherry Day. Uh, and also Lynn Wilson. I mean, these are the people who have kept us going uh, for a mighty, 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 mighty long time. So I will absolutely just uh, go ahead and talk about Florida. I was going to talk about Florida a little later on in the show because I have another guest that's going to come on um, uh, at, the, at probably around 230, 235, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Murray. Uh, uh, Ray, uh, last name is, uh, is McKenzie. Uh, and he's a He's a national director for the uh, campaign, uh, Campaign Zero. And he's going to be talking about that. And I'll be talking about the spot charter. So uh, that's going to happen a little later on. But Florida is on my mind right now. So I just hop on into that since uh, Mr. Rye isn't here yet. Uh, and he just got back from Washington, D.C. He was back for the Black Caucus uh, Conference. I think they have it every year. And he's been going back for years, back for that. And I know he'll have a great update about what happened, what's happening back in D.C. Uh, he's trying to bring more information to us here. We got a lawsuit against the state of Washington. I denied uh, African-Americans uh, uh, actually a piece of the pie uh, because of I-9, uh, I-200. We've been absolutely isolated here uh, from getting contracts from the state. 
uh, other we've been locked out so anyway there's a lawsuit that's going through hopefully you have some information about that but everybody who knows who listen to me often know i was born and raised in florida born in jacksonville <laughs> raised in sanford florida uh, and uh, I was interested. I was very interested in the hurricane. I mean, I mean, I love the wind. Most people know I love the wind too. Uh, uh, the WIND, and it was really blowing out there the other day. And hurricanes come from. Uh, if people don't know, hurricanes come out of uh, uh, of the Atlantic, not too far from Africa, uh, not too far from the continent of Africa. And the trade winds uh, bring the wind, uh, and they, by the time they kept up, get more. More get in the hotter water, the more uh, the the, uh, the the stronger the uh, the hurricane will be. When it gets hits colder water, like up past New York and going toward Canada, then it will lose a lot of its steam because in the, uh, because the the ocean is not as warm as it is coming down from the southern hemisphere, coming up from the southern hemisphere. So uh, Florida actually took a hit but before florida you had um, puerto rico and I'm, i have friends in puerto rico have not been able to get in touch with them but i do know that the president will be coming to florida and going to puerto rico puerto rico got hit by the previous uh, hurricane and they all all that electricity went out on the island so um and so i'm still trying to get some uh, information uh, about uh, puerto rico from 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 my uh, from some of my friends who live in puerto rico I did talk to Francis this morning down in Sanford, Florida, where I'm from, uh, and the phone systems are not up very well. I mean, so it goes in and out. So she couldn't be on the phone today, but she posted a lot of um, a lot of a lot of pictures on Facebook about the water. And uh, in Seminole County, is actually in Central Florida, and the storm hit uh, on, on the Gulf side, Fort Myers in Florida, and then it came across Florida. That I hit Orlando which is going to hit Sanford a little bit because they're 21 miles apart going up uh, uh, and then you're going to get a little bit of Daytona in there and then went on up past Jacksonville and went uh, out into the Atlantic again and hit South Carolina and then on up the, on up the coast of, uh, uh, of uh, going, toward the, going toward the northern states. So um, anyway, Florida is really devastated. I mean, it's sort of sad to see some of the very islands and uh, that they had uh, past Miami, some of those are gone, uh, and um, the bridges are gone. So it's going to be a long time recovery for Florida. But uh, Francis said that the St. John River was overflowing, and it's come all the way downtown and past uh, some places, uh, past downtown in Sanford. Um, and also, <laughs> it's so much flooding and water that people's going to have to look out for alligators because it's going to be alligators around after a while and um, the water moccasins. Um, and one of the things, um, one of the things that's happening in uh, Seminole County, again, the Sample Florida, in the St. John River. This one of them, this one of the rivers that uh, run north. Most rivers run south. And uh, the St. John River, uh, uh, the Amazon River, the Nile River, uh, and uh, the Ponderay River. I study all the rivers that runs north because I'm from Sanford and I got I got introduced to rivers that run north. So I have a real fantasy about rivers that run north. And so I know them all up. I know all of the rivers in the world almost that run north. And so uh, the water is overflowing the river. I uh, really banks really uh, uh, bad in, in Sanford now. And it did when I grew up there. I think it was a, uh, a tornado, I mean a hurricane named Donna years <laughs> Years and years ago, when I was a little kid, 
uh, that uh, that that uh, that hurricane did a lot of damage in Sanford, Florida. And in the days when I was growing up in Florida, all the houses was built up. Uh, maybe uh, they weren't flat uh, like they are today. Most of the houses in Florida today is not built to to uh, to uh, really withstand uh, any flooding because they all built down so low. And uh, Francis's house is up a little bit and has some steps, so she didn't get any flooding in her home, but in her yard. And uh, she has chickens. She lives in the city limits, but she still has chickens. And her chickens flew the coot, but they came back. Uh, and so she was really, really grateful that the chickens came back. I think she lost a rooster, too. So uh, the people in Seminole County are trying to do the best they can, and all over Florida. I mean, sometimes it takes tragedy to bring people together, like 9-11, and sometimes that's so who knows? This might be the beginning of a shift of consciousness in America, because really and truly, we do need one another. No man is an island, and no man lives alone. Uh, each man <laughs> needs another one. And if you ever, ever watched the uh, uh, the amazing film movie for me, it was a, uh, was a Wonderful Life. And uh, and as Clarence told George, you weren't here, George, to make a difference in somebody else's lives. So each one of us is here to make a difference in somebody else's life. And when we're not here, then there's a big hole in the world. There's a big hole oh, because you're not here to do what you were supposed to do. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, I'm really glad that uh, that uh, that this not glad, but this is a real opportunity for the people in Florida to come together to show some leadership of working together, and move beyond all of this uh, other stuff that um, clearly is part of the old consciousness. The world is changing. There's a new world being built, and it's not about divisiveness. It's not about it's not about violence. It's not about all the stuff that we see. There's a new world being created right now, and it's created out of consciousness, a consciousness of love, consciousness of being wanting to get together, and a consciousness of knowing that that we're all one on a, a different level. Uh, there's an esoteric level. We're all one people, but we have to wake up to that. And I think that this is part of waking up the world. And also a shout out to all the women in Iran. I mean, who would believe that the women in Iran are standing up? I mean, I think I think the world will shift because women will stand up. And I think when more women who stand up with the with the consciousness of oneness. I mean, you have women who are standing up uh, uh, out there uh, being uh, part of uh, wanting to harm other people, uh, but you also have more women standing up for freedom, uh, the right to be free, and that's really what's happening on the planet. And I believe that. I don't care what I see. I believe that there's another picture. There's another world being created. And we are here to be part of that other world to be created. We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we, we, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM, KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at virtueshealing.com. That's virtueshealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at virtueshealing.com today. Being a teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Washington's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! 
Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intron, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. For the hopeless Chances grow thinner, for there's no hiding place against the kingdom's Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on air. And Mr. Rye, come on in, Mr. Rye. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I have to pro- apologize profusely <laughs> for blowing my air time today because I look forward to being on the Mother's Justice Show <laughs> because a lot of stuff we do carry over to Thursday. That's so right. When that's I'm right. off from two to three, as a matter of fact, if people go, I think, uh, yeah, you're up on uh, urbanforumnw.com. You want to hear Reverend Walden's latest uh, interview on Urban Forum Northwest, Urban Forum NW, or you can go online to my podcast and you can hear her dispensing her wisdom. So I know you, you, you've you been dealing, working with the people from Florida. You're from that area. Yeah, and I, that my area. heart just goes out to them. But I must say, Rick DeSantis got to prove he can run a, a state now. Instead of uh, uh, messing with people, now he got a mess he got to deal with. And I just uh, prayed that these folks are able to uh, get what they need uh, so they can survive. Well, one of the things I said uh, when I was uh, uh, in my first segment, I just said sometimes it takes, uh, like 9-11, sometimes it takes something big to put people to put their own little old pettiness aside. So maybe this is big enough for the state of Florida that uh, we really have to have some real leadership uh, leadership about that because the water doesn't care who, if you're a Republican or a Democrat <laughs> when it's flooding your house. <laughs> you know, and the alligators yeah. outside your door. <laughs> the alligator don't care. It's like, oh, okay, let me see. If I'm going to go to a GOP house or a, Republican, a Democratic house, that's what the alligator, the alligator just wants something to eat. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. <laughs> It's all alligators. Well, Florida got a lot of alligators down, you know, a lot of them. So they're going to be, and, and water moccasins. And that's what Francis and I was talking about. So Boy. I'm going to hold the highest and best good because the people are suffering. And a lot yeah, of people true. move down there. They move down to be part of the, the, the red team, you know, be down to, to make Florida even more of a red state. And uh, I, and some of those people are devastated. I mean, I, I mean, some of them, I mean, Florida is an elderly state. It always was, had a lot of people coming from the North when I was a girl, but now it's even more so. So a lot of people will need help. There's no question about it. And uh, 
I see the president has stepped up to the plate. Oh, uh, definitely. I let, let, let your listeners know that uh, Saturday night at the Congressional Black Caucus Phoenix Awards Dinner, uh, both uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joseph Biden both spoke at the CBC uh, annual Phoenix Awards Dinner. And uh, also uh, got a chance to talk to several people. And I got to post a lot of uh, the pics of the selfies on my Facebook page. Yeah, but I, I got a chance talk to some folks like uh, Congressman Kwaizi and Fume from Maryland has gone back to Congress. And when he was in Congress before, he was a, a Perrin Mitchell protege. So every quarter he had um, uh, hearings on, in, in, on the hearing room, on, on, on the Hill, on uh, minority business participation. And so I let him know what was happening in Washington State. Yes. And uh, the uh, National Association of Minority Contractors, the Washington chapter, uh, going to be inviting him uh, to uh, participate on our uh, monthly meeting on Thursday. Uh, oh, so, because uh, uh, we want him, I encourage him to start those meetings over again. And then Congresswoman Maxine Waters want to copy the civil rights complaint because she says hey, uh, black folks are having a hard time uh, financing things, and we want to take a look at it and see what's happening because she's the chair of the House Financial Services Committee. All the banks and lending institutions have to report to her. And then I was really pleased when Congressman Benny Thompson, who uh, my daughter Angela worked for, as a matter of fact, in uh, 2009, he named her to be the senior advisor and the lawyer for the House Homeland Security Committee. And oh, wow. uh, she was 29 years old. She was the youngest senior advisor on the Hill <laughs> and left there and became the executive director of the Congressional Black Caucus. So, uh, you know, over the years, I've got a chance to know quite a few of these folks personally. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, they're going to be in charge. I'll give you an idea. In Maryland, uh, a black man who was a publisher, uh, he's an author, uh, 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 he is 32 points ahead of the Republican for, for a governor in Maryland. And, you know, Maryland just had Larry Hogan. Uh, a lot of folks thought, you know, when he didn't, was standing by to send the troops over on the National Guard on January 6th, they saw a good light. But talking to uh, some of the uh, black legislators from Maryland, uh, he is kind of uh, poo-pooed anything that would help uplift our people. So the, the the other candidate, black candidate in Wisconsin, looks pretty good too. And with what is happening with Roe v. Wade and what's happening with Trump, and I hope Trump stays out there and just kills the Republican Party, uh, I, don't, I think the Democrats will retain the House and the Senate. And uh, the Congressional Black Caucus has 58 members now. And I remember the first time I went to the Congressional Black Caucus in 72, uh, everything was at the Washington Hilton. They had 13 members. And well, this, Mitchell, is the the about the, this is a good time to ask them about that, that special, uh, uh, not special, but that set aside uh, 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 place for us on uh, on these jobs. Uh, for The, the infrastructure, of, exactly. Yes. Right, that's it's right. It's supposed to be a 10% goal, but uh, the problem we have, if it goes, if they include White women as minorities again, we're going to lose out. Well, but, but, but this is the time to fight that. Okay. Oh, no, really I, that's exactly. It. I was spreading that word in Washington, D.C. while right, I was there. That's right. it's if it's intended it. for us to make sure it gets to us, if it has to that's go right. to a private party, they are profit motivated and they will use a front company. They will use anybody. You that's look right. at that's what's right. happening that's in right. the state, and we're talking about all Democrats in charge. Four black contractors go broke on the, on the Seattle Tunnel Partners project. Everybody knew that those two prime contractors had done this all across America, but they went along with it anyway. 
So now so I mean, we have, the uh, idea is to make sure that we don't have economic development. And that's just the bottom goal. And it's in every state. It really is. And uh, it's really, more, you know, and, and ours is worse than anybody's because well, yeah, we've had 23 really years of no affirmative action. And because well, yeah, of that, it, you can see how, what happened to the central area of Seattle. Well, but also, I mean, more importantly, they add on to that more, not more importantly, but to add on to that is that they, they, they came and took black people's business away from them. I oh, mean, yeah. and the Dems didn't help with that. I mean, the only person that helped me was Rob McKenna. He was a Republican who shut it down against me, but really and truly. So we've had 40 years of these. Uh, uh, and, and so they've gone along with this to make sure that we didn't have uh, 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 be, be part of the economic uh, uh, progress. But when all the other people come to America, they can get they can get in the train. And they still want us to be on the caboose. They still want us to be on the back of the train while the train is moving with everybody else who comes. And like you say, bring me your tired, bring me all the people. And then they say, well, you all might have been here, but y'all got to still be on the caboose. You know, you got to still be in the back of the train. <laughs> if, there's, uh, if, if we own the train at all. And if you look at Washington <laughs> State, uh, African descent, United States enslaved, our businesses, have, we've lost all the family businesses because there was no affirmative action. And the minute you say no affirmative action, that means the black folks, uh, the African descent of the United States enslaved will not be selected. That's and that's right. what I talked to members, including Congressman Hank Johnson. He and uh, Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland are both on the ha uh, House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And so I'm impressed upon both of them. You know, it needs to be direct access for us. That's going direct access. Guys, going Nothing is going to work for us. Right. Nothing is going to work, work for us. We That's need right. to have direct access, direct access to our contracts That's right. with the owner That's right. and not with a private That's entity because right. it hasn't That's worked. Right. And if we were, if we were do, doing so well, how come African-Americans are doing less than 1%? Well, but also why, why, in all, why is the central area gone? I mean, why, why all the jobs that black people used to have that paid good money, they don't have them anymore? I mean, what happened to that? And then the black businesses. I mean, if we were to ever do an 800 number and do a survey across the state, how many black businesses in, in Spokane went out? How many black businesses in, uh, mm -hmm. over in the Tri-Cities went out? You know, and down the, down the few that you might have had in, uh, down in Vancouver, might even have one or two in Bellingham that we didn't know about. How many of them that did business with the state that absolutely could not do business or lost their business because of the state was hunting out black people to run them out, running them out of business. And I'm gonna always say they hunted me down and they ran me out of business. A 25 year old business, uh, overnight they ran me out. And then what Mr. Well, Branch, Mr. Branch had a payroll of 21 million over there a year. All those people he hired are there. And then he had a nursing home up, uh, up in the town of Snohomish. See? Well, you know, it, this has been consistent because in 1972, Don Dudley had an FKYC and an FKYC. That's right. That's right. Worth That's two right. million dollars, and the bank would loan him two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. That's right. So we That's know exactly right. what's happening. And That's the thing right. about it is that people can say whatever they want to say. I know there are a lot of consultants and, and organizations that the governor supports, but the bottom line is when we're doing less than one percent of 1%. the state's business. I'm very right. sorry. I don't care how much money uh, he gives to these other organizations. If black folks aren't participating, now right. some people are just getting a check. That, that doesn't right. mean a darn right. thing for the rest of the people in the state. It, black it, people it in does the state. not. It, it really does not. And when I came to Seattle, you had a few black businesses that was putting that, what do you call them when they put putting this, doing the roads out there? They, they, they put the, uh, 
the, the flaggers, like the flaggers. Yeah, no, 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 no. They, they had they had the equipment and they had the contracts to actually be working on the roads out there. Yeah, that was that was you know? that was JD Mason and Eli Mason and and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. But and the they, thing about it, that that work is is being discouraged. And you know, a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, uh, it, you just we just have to face it. They will deal with anybody other than African Americans. Other than us, I mean, really and truly. That's all this because, because because on the uh, on uh, of sound transit, uh, when they were trying to build a, 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 a doing the tunnel, they went to they went to Los Angeles and brought people back, and all the black people who were working on uh, on the on on the tunnel. I, I deal down there with the drilling and stuff. They lost their jobs, and the other all, people all came. Four, four black companies all went got, went got, went out of business working on the tunnel project. Tunnel Partners Project, uh, Dragados and Tudor Perini, and uh, um, uh, I give it to 2011. Uh, CL City Council Michael Bryan said, "I'm concerned with their record of mistreating minority firms." And the spokesperson for WashDOT said, "We're not going to let a few issues with a few minorities." Uh, uh, disrupt this billion dollar job. Well, well yep. you know what? They, they were true to form and they ran four black folks out of business and they and, and DOT had people overseeing it and didn't do one thing to advocate on their behalf. That's why right now black folks in this state are doing less than 1%, 1%. Of, of the state's business. Well, and I hope people listen. I hope I... I... Because I hope uh, uh, Maxine Waters and all the people back in D.C. that you met with, uh, Representative Maxine Waters and all of those people will actually uh, uh, bring some bring some uh, uh, pressure to bear and we can get some relief. relief we, well, we got uh, Congressman Marilyn Strickland. We got Congressman Marilyn Strickland. That's right. That's right. Who's That's on right. the House, House right. Uh, right. Transportation Infrastructure Committee, who has a lot to say. And I've been talking with her as well. So right. we're just going to keep pushing. Because if we don't, pushing. nothing will happen. All right, we got to We have um, well, Mr. Wright, thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, and we'll be praying that we'll be praying for our family in Florida and all up and down the uh, uh, the Atlantic coast, uh, and uh, and I'll be talking to you next time. How is that? Oh, that's fine. I once again, I want to apologize for being late. That's okay. Thank you so much. Thank all you. right, you're listening to the Mother's Justice Show at 11:50 a.m. KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. We'll be right back. Oh. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at VirtuesHealing.com. That's VirtuesHealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at VirtuesHealing.com healing.com today. Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now. Don't turn off the radio or change the channel. Don't cover your kids' ears, no matter how much you want to ignore it. Child trafficking is real. In fact, it's happening in your town. And you know what our greatest weapon against child trafficking is? It's our children. It's time to act with PACT. That's Partners Against Child Trafficking. PACT works to teach students how to identify the warning signs of child trafficking so they can help other vulnerable kids around them. PACT student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Visit PACT.city to start donating today. That's P-A-C-T dot C-I-T-Y. And for as little as $5 a month, 
You can help end child exploitation. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM. KKNW, I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on there. Thank you for listening out there. I want to bring my next guest in. Uh, he's a new guest for me. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for making time. Uh, welcome. Uh, your first name is DeRay. Is that how you call you? Is that, that, how do you yes. pronounce the first name? First name? DeRay. DeRay. Okay. All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And so I'll let you introduce yourself so you can let us know who you are. I'm DeRay McKesson. I help lead an organization called Campaign Zero. I was one of the original protesters in Ferguson in 2014 and have continued to fight to end police violence. So I've met with uh, President Obama, people at all levels of government. I'm on the Council for Criminal Justice Reform, currently being sued by police in Baton Rouge uh, and care about these issues deeply. All right. Well, welcome, 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 because I'm the Reverend Harriet Walden and the founder of Mothers of Police Accountability. Uh, actually, yeah, we started, this is our beginning our 33rd year. We started in 1990. So we've been around, we had a name change uh, in the middle. Probably 1996, we changed from Mothers Against Police Harassment to Mothers Police Accountability because it's about more than that. So, but over time, we've uh, actually brought our uh, scope to be involved with all, all kinds of issues in the community, especially violence against us. Uh, violence in our community is, um, is at an all-time high. In every major city, it is, and uh, in places like uh, Minneapolis, uh, uh, they're they're suffering there. I mean, police is uh, that just really a lot of suffering uh, uh, in in our communities. Uh, like it was in the early nineties. I mean, it, this explosion was around in the early nineties. I mean, one year we had 90, 30 people killed in Seattle, and not by the police, but by other people. So yeah, so yeah, you wanted you reached out to me uh, on uh, Twitter. <laughs> I guess that what it was, and. Um, did my son call me? Oh my, he does a, yeah, he owns Converge Media. So somebody, I think Joey pointed him, pointed you to, oh my. Yeah, my yes. son, he's my youngest son. He owns Converge Media. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we're focused on uh, policy change. We actually did in Seattle. We did, a, I don't know if you know, a campaign called Eight Can't Wait to Change Police Use of Force, like banning chokeholds, stuff like that. That was something that we did across the country in 500 cities and 19 states. Uh, but this is about shot spotter because it is, and it seems like you already know about it. Uh, you already know been, about it. Yeah, no, I know a lot about it. It was for ten years I've been working with shot spotters, or knowing a little about it. But also, Seattle had already banned chokeholds. We banned chokeholds a long time ago, and then we also banned chokeholds out in the county because they were talking about a partial chokehold. And mothers and the NAACP and other people, we made sure that chokeholds did not come back to King County at all. Yep, it's chokeholds and strangleholds. So this was like one of the new things that the police did is is that they started to change the rules because chokeholds is your airway, but strangleholds is the muscles around your neck. Right. Uh, so there are a lot of places that didn't ban them both. They banned, like New York City famously only banned chokeholds in 1993 and did not ban strangleholds. But with right. ShotSpotter, you know, the challenge with ShotSpotter is that uh, the contract says pretty, cl pretty clearly that it actually does not uh, help find shooters, that it does not decrease gun violence. And when we look at the data across the country in cities, because it is in about 100-ish cities, uh, there, there are no places that we see there's actually a demonstrable decrease in gun violence because of ShotSpotter. So they will show you arrest data and evidence collected data, but convictions uh, doesn't really do that. And the contract actually says very plainly that it doesn't decrease gun violence. So 
we've been trying to talk to people and educate people and work with people to think through real solutions that will decrease gun violence. Well, you know, they did, it was, I'm trying to think of the name of the city in, uh, up in California and uh, Ron Davis, he used to be, the, uh, he was a police chief there before, um, before he went to work for the government, uh, before, before he went to the other, he was trying to be a police chief here in 19, in 2000 and uh, maybe 10 or 11. Maybe, yeah, I, that was, I, I, he, and, and, and the town that he came from, the, the, the violence did go down. I mean, there, there, there is some places down there where it did go down. And uh, really and truly, we want, to, and we want to decrease black folks killing black folks. And I don't know how anybody can, I mean, in this day and age, our new motto is doing both, both uh, to do both and. I mean, uh, we can no longer, have, have be on one side of the ledger, rightfully so. Police brutality and violence is a long going issue in America. But these people, I mean, in these cities, and people say Black Lives Matter, but they don't talk about the Black, they're not concerned about the Black Lives that Matter that's being killed by Black people. And I often wonder- Oh, I think they are they, concerned. No, they're not. They're every, all the people in the streets in America is not out there it is nobody in the streets because black people are killing black people. In Chicago, in Seattle, all the people who come out is because of police violence. I understand that. But you have 81 women, parents in Seattle and King County crying and grieving because their children have been killed. Uh, and it's time to do both and. It's time to we'll do a parallel track of both and. Uh, and, uh, and, and now people are beginning to do that and want to talk about both and because we cannot spend all that time on the ledger, on one side of the ledger, and not talk about the mothers and the people who are suffering. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm convinced about this black charter. I've been, I've been involved with it for 10 years. Murray, who was a previous mayor, he was gonna do a pilot on it. Uh, and uh, he had a press conference on it. And, uh, and so I believe that Bruce, Bruce Harrell put it back in the budget. And uh, it's a lot of people in this town will be uh, asking for it to go for at least for a pilot to, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't think anybody should get standing in the way of a pilot in a city when they're putting the people in the city might want that pilot. Yeah, that's fine. I just, it's just not true that people don't care about community violence. I'm in a city, uh, Baltimore has 300 murders a year. Both of my parents were addicted to drugs and we have all been people who've been affected by gun violence. So it's hard to hear somebody say that, um, that people don't care about community violence because well, in my people, community- The, the people who have the platform, when Black Lives Matter first got started, I mean, after Trayvon Martin got killed, I mean, that's where I'm from in Sanford, Florida. Uh, then they coined the word Black Lives Matter. And then, you know, it, it could on. And I was quoted in the, in the Huffington Post that says, our blackness is not a crime. And so I don't use the word Black Lives Matter. We gave the money back that they gave us. But, um, but most of the times when people are protesting, I have not seen uh, outside of anything that uh, if, if there's a protest about people harming one another, it's because mothers, police accountability, they call that protest here in Seattle or call that press conference. Uh, uh, no other groups in, uh, in this area are standing up and talking about how we harm one another because it's hard to talk about. I mean, look at the mothers in Chicago. I mean, over a thousand mothers are crying, past a thousand mothers are crying in Chicago. And how do they feel how do, I mean, just, just, just as we, if we just dissect how the mothers on the other side of this equation feel when all the people are in the streets, rightfully so, about, you know, George Floyd and all of these are rightfully so, but nobody's coming over there to be assistance to them.
But in Chicago, there are mothers. There are there's a big activist community and organ and the community groups who are working to end ShotSpotter because in, because in Chicago there was a 17 year old that was killed because of ShotSpotter. There was a ShotSpotter alert that called the police to an area. He actually didn't shoot a gun at all, but the police got out of that car and actually killed him. So you know we're working with Arnie Duncan in Chicago, who was the former Secretary of Education. He's doing gun violence prevention. And there are a host of people and incredible activists in Chicago and community members working really hard. So the thing about ShotSpotter, though, is that there just isn't a city. And I'm and I, you know, happy to go over the data with you. But I know about the data. I, I got the data and I've been I have the data and also have the data on the other side. So that's correct. I mean, you, you know I mean, I'm going to give you the platform because as I ask you, you want to talk to me uh, and uh, and that's fine. But also, I just wanted to say one thing. I am working with the. Um, with the parents, uh, the mothers and fathers in Harlem, uh, and they're working. They're working with the police too. I mean, I've had them on my show, and I used to be in Chicago all the time because I did Citizen Alert with Mary Powers. Mary Powers started Citizen Alert. It was the reason why James Bird got went to prison there, and I was there with Amnesty International uh, uh, and the uh, National Coalition for Police Accountability. This was a long history of working on these issues here around police violence. I mean, like I say, it's been a generation of working on these issues. Uh, and uh, and so I understand spots. Uh, I understand it. I really do. And I, I just still think that we should give it a try here in Seattle for a pilot. I mean, I, th I think that and I think the people who are here what want it will probably come out to the city council and speak for it. Um, but uh, go ahead and tell us about your stats. There just is not a there is no American city that shot spotter has data that shows that shot spotter actually decreased gun violence. It just doesn't it, it doesn't exist. But you know, here's what I'd say to you is that you wouldn't you wouldn't get a DNA machine that doesn't actually analyze DNA, you know? ShotSpotter, the actual contract says it does not decrease gun violence. It says that. That's like actually what it says. And you know, happy to show it to you. But you know, I got it. I mean, and also I've had I've had demonstrations on both sides. You know, I mean, like I said, I've been at this a long time, so I'm not a novice. <laughs> Please. Please don't, please don't think that I'm a novice at this, okay? <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're a novice. I'm just saying, so what, I'm not saying you're a novice. So what do you say to the contract when it actually, when the contract says that it doesn't decrease gun violence, what do you make of that? Well, I make of it, I, I make up a lot of things about it and I'm willing to still, still consider it as a pilot to see what it might do here in Seattle. I mean- Even I, if it says it doesn't decrease gun violence, you know, you're okay with that. Get, I, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm following the mayor's lead, and I'm gonna be part of that. Uh, I'm gonna be part of that. Uh, I'm gonna be part of that. Uh, be part of the people on that other side, uh, uh, because all the data and all of that. Sometimes you know that that might be true, but then you know that you could have another side of this. And sometimes people who are speaking for us all the time. I mean, not not you, but a lot of times when people are speaking for our community, they don't even know anything about our community. I mean, really into it. They they don't know how tired we are living with violence. Okay, we are tired. We are absolutely tired of living. I get it. Us. I used to have to sleep living. on the floor because people shot so close to my house. I know what it's like to sleep on the floor because you're worried about the gunshots going through the walls. So I get it. You, this, you don't have to tell me about the violence. Well, I live in with 300. Yeah, but I don't get it because I was raised in a community where it wasn't violence. This has not always been America. This has not always been our reality. But it's I'm been just our saying, reality. I know. Yeah, it's right. I, I feel you. I'm just saying my city has 300 murders a year. Oh, yeah. And I know you said I was there. I don't know it. Know it because I came there for work. I came for, for a presentation and I was there for just 24 hours. And I was like, wow. 
I mean, what I saw was a lot of, yeah. So I was really quite surprised uh, about that, about, about your city. Then I did it, I went and did some re re research and then the, Fred, the Freddie Gray case. I mean, you know, and nobody was held, <laughs> nobody was held responsible for that. I mean, and, and it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, for me, my work around a lot of these issues for police on accountability on the other side is get a tight contract. I mean, because that, that's, that's what one of the problems is, is in the contract, because the cities across America never negotiate hard enough to be able to hold police accountable. Because, I mean, yes. you know, the accountability, uh, the accountability is going to come on the other side of this equation from a strong contract or either, either a, a strong, uh, you know, and one thing about uh, Minnesota, I, I, what they, when, they, when the trial was, uh, uh, when uh, Keith Ellison, I mean, rep former representative, I stayed at his house one time when I was doing police accountability. I stayed at his house long before he went to Congress. Uh, and then when, when, when prosecutors put resources to bear, they will win the case. Yes. They will absolutely win the case. But most times they won't charge a fine. They, they, won't, they won't file because they don't want to lose because they don't want to lose their relationship that they have with the police. And so, 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 so in order to fix that, you got to get a strong contract that holds police accountable. Uh, uh, if they don't have those consequences, if they don't have the camera, the body cameras on, they need to be fired. I mean, strong, strong things. I mean, not get their job back. I mean, because you mentioned some of the other things. I mean, sometimes people make mistakes in jobs, but constantly the, the body cameras are not on. <laughs> the footage right. is missing. That, that ought to be a fireable offense. Okay, and, and then once you discharge your weapon, uh, and and you people get to get to uh, you arrest people, and they wind up in jail being beat up. I mean, it's a lot of things that 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 has to happen on both sides of this equation. But I do know that communities are tired. I I and and why not? I mean, that's, that's all I can say is that, like I said, I've been doing this a generation. I've been to many funerals, like you talking about your community, and sat with many mothers. I I who I who I. Children have been killed, and uh, once a mother loses a child, a uh, whole life changes in a different way. I mean, uh, and some mothers in some cities I read, and I think it was in Detroit and a few places where some mothers have lost more than one child. Uh, and I, I mean, you might have some of those cases in your own city because you have a large black population there. You know, so uh, yeah. So here's here's my deal. Can we make a deal, Reverend Walden? Can we make a deal? No, I don't here's make my deal. deal. In, I don't make, make deals. Make I'm deal. sorry. No, 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 so no. If, I, I, I don't make deals. I'm too old if, to make um, deals. <laughs> if it is so it's a, mine is a simple deal is that if there's a pilot I would love to meet with you again after the pilot's over so we can look at the okay. data together can we do that well yes I'd be the pilot that's right because I'm sure he's going to pilot it I mean I mean that's most things most things that come I said it would be better off had we did some pilots in, two, in 2020 instead of this man in the police department and doing what they did I mean it'd been better off they do small small steps toward where you want to go. What they do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. Then they have to come back around and then they re, re, uh, reinvent things. And, you know, like Minneapolis need police, Seattle need police. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, really in this society, as long as we're here, we need them, but we need them to do constitutional policing. That's what we really need. You know, Seattle voted against the shot spotter contract in 2012 and 2016. And I used to live in Minneapolis as well. And we actually wrote, you know, Minneapolis killed um, they killed a young man in a no-knock raid recently, and we worked with the mayor there to ban no-knock raids in Minneapolis. So that was a big thing we just did a couple months ago. So, you know, I hear you. We're, we're, you and I are on the same side of this. And, you know, if there's a pilot, I would love to meet with you when the pilot's over to look at the data together. Oh, that sounds really cool. I mean, really, really cool to be able to, to look at the data together. 
Uh, and also, I mean, I mean, and, and since you have a national platform, I'm glad to know that you're also looking at other places where people are trying to uh, stop the violence or heal the violence, because there's some healing that has to be done in the black community. Can nobody else help us with that? What have, you seen, what have you seen be effective? What are some things that you've seen that we should start doing in more cities? Well, I think one of the things that, that I think that's really effective is to, uh, to um, reacquaint re- uh, uh, younger kids with, with, elder, with elders because they're missing. Maladoma Somme, he's passed away, but he came from, uh, uh, he came from uh, East Africa, uh, West Africa, and he wrote a book about a water and spirit. Maladoma says, when the elders are missing, the children are violent because it's, it's this connection. I mean, uh, this connection that, that, that brings wisdom, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's the wisdom. And also what elders does is that it teaches kids patience and compassion. Because if you have to get up every five, if you have to get up twice an hour to get your grandmother some water because she absolutely needs it, it teaches you compassion. It my teaches you empathy. My uh, great-grandmother helped raise it. My, so both my parents were addicted to drugs and my mother left us when I was three. Um, and my great grandmother raised us. Okay, and, um, I can see that smile on your face. And, I can see that smile um, because that's what, that's right. So talk about cry. compassion. Don't talk about compassion. Um, no, no. She, I mean, I was raised by my grandparents too. My mother died because it's compassion was, was missing. Really Go ahead. No, no. She, my great grandmother, was a huge part of my life. So I'm happy that you made me think of her today. Um, she passed when I was in college. But you're right, having to get her water and, you know, she was diabetic <laughs> and I had to make sure she had her, her insulin and I had to make sure but she had, had the right socks. The, had, did you ever go to the store and then you get back in the house and say, oh, I forgot I wanted something so-and-so. And what do you do? All the time. Having to freeze things, having to snap the peas, having to snap the peas, put them in the freezer. Yes, but you see your heart is pricked for compassion and kindness. And somebody has to put that in you. It really does. And so that's the piece that's missing is to figure out ways to bring them together. But also we owe a debt to our ancestors because if we understood what they went through, they suffered degradation. So you and I could be here. We the better day that they prayed for. They knew they wouldn't see a better day. But look at you, college graduate. Somebody in your lineage prayed you up. You know that? Somebody in your I hope lineage. That I, I hope that we can do lunch or something when we're both in the same city. Oh, that would be wonderful because we could talk about our grandmother's okay? <laughs> And What, what did she, she call like, you? What well, did your grandma well, call my, you? Well, my grandmother called me by my name, but my grandfather called me grandbaby. I was always his grandbaby. Grandbaby. And he taught me my timetables. He taught me how to do my timetables. And he told me to write up a tablet every day when I was in first grade. So he'd always buy me another tablet. And he was my first uh, idea about prosperity. I said, granddaddy, do you love me? He said, yeah, grandbaby. I said, granddaddy, you used to love me. You'll give me a penny. He always gave me a nickel. He always gave me more. So he set me on the road <laughs> to understanding that what prosperity is. You always ask, and then you always get more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's what's missing. It really is. So that humanizes us. See, and I coming out of segregation, I was raised with all Black people. Never had a white teacher in my life. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so that's, the, that's, that's, the, that's what some of the elders can bring. You know, and then they love the babies. And let me tell you what my vision is, and then I'm going to be through. I'll let you, I'll give it a few minutes. You know, I want my vision is I'm looking for an artist who can draw a big a picture I, of, of, a, of a big chair with a grandmama sitting in it. And she say, bring me the baby sugar. 
I mean, cause she's supposed to be grandma. That's grandma. All right, sugar. Come on. It's gonna be all right, sugar. That's okay. Bring me them babies. How does that make you feel? That's grandma. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm at my grandma's house. Bring me the baby, sugar. Yeah. yeah no, so I just want to say thank you for making time. And um, I'm hopeful oh, yeah. that you and I will be able to break bread and Yes. And, you know, if there's a pilot, we'll look at the data together and think sure. through how we keep our neighborhood safe. Because Lord knows it's a lot of work to do. It really is. But what's missing is spirituality. The more we bring it back and bring on, come on, sugar. You know, the more we bring some of that back on who we really, because this other stuff is not who we are. That's right. not who we are. If we had been this way coming out of slavery, we wouldn't be here. We, we, we wouldn't have had the accomplishments. That's not who we are. See, so anyway. I appreciate you coming on. This has been absolutely fabulous. I'm so glad to meet you. Let's do it. And uh, this is just the beginning, Reverend Walden. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sure. I, I believe that. Thank you. Thank you okay. so much. Take See you later. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM. Take care, W. I'll be right back. I'm your host. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at VirtuesHealing.com. That's VirtuesHealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at VirtuesHealing.com today. Oh, you listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I love that song. I love Ruthie Ruthie Foster also. I tell you, I just uh, my I've had an exciting show today. I'm all jazzed. You know, I love talking about grandmothers. I love talking about how we can bring people together. And I that's what inspires me to uh, keep going at this uh, tender age that I am at, you know, and uh, just keep keep the momentum going. I'm always jazzed about life. I'm always jazzed about new beginnings and I'm jazzed about how to bring people together. Uh, and uh, and I'm just about to just making these connections because uh, this is how the world is going to change. So we're building a new world. It's a new consciousness. It's a new day. And the old world is dying. Really, it is. It's a new day on how we're building a world of cooperation, collaboration, and consideration. That's what we're building. And I'm really excited to be part of that, be part of that new world that, that we're building. Uh, and it's coming. Won't be long. You've been listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's been my joy and delight to be on air today. See you next week. Take care. Take care. Wherever you are in the world, take care. Loving you.